Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, Dead Tired, What Every Company Must Know About Fatigue, sponsored by SafeStart. My name is Kevin Drulli. I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health magazine, and I will be moderating today's session. Thanks for joining us. In a few minutes, we'll start the presentation. First, I want to go over some preliminary items. Views of today's speaker and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the council or magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we will conduct a question and answer session. To ask a question, simply type it in the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen, click the button for Submit Question. Feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the question and answer session to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but because of the large number of participants today, we might not get to every question. Any unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speaker. For basic troubleshooting information, click the Help button located on your screen. At the end of the webcast, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey. I will let you know more about that after the presentation. This webcast is archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, go to www.safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash events. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Our speaker today will be Warren Picken. Warren has served as a Safe Start Consultant and Implementation Specialist for almost nine years, providing training in both English and French. Before that, he worked for 11 years at one of the largest gypsum board producers in the world. Picken remains committed to saving lives as a proponent of safety 24-7. Again, we thank all of you for tuning in to the presentation. Warren, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. All right, thanks a lot, Kevin. Um, good day, everybody. I'm very, very excited to uh, be speaking about uh, fatigue today, and I was very anxious over the last couple of weeks um, leading up to this, this webinar. So thank you very much for taking um, the time out of your very, very busy days to, to sit in with us today. Um, yeah, growing up, I, um, Kevin didn't really mention that much, but I'm coming from Canada. I, I was born and raised in Canada. Um, close to the Mo Montreal, so I'm pretty pretty sure everybody here on, on the webinar today knows where Montreal is. If I were to ask you guys, and most of the times in every training session that I do, if I were to ask you guys what I wanted to be when I grew up, uh, most people look at me and say, well, seeing as how you're from Canada, you probably wanted to be be a hockey player. And that that's right. Um, I grew up um, an, an aspiring hockey player, but unfortunately I um, suffered a career-ending back injury. Um, but I'm pretty. I'm still pretty proud to say that uh, now I I have two two uh, young kids. My my oldest one Isaac, he's 18 going on 19, and my youngest boy Noah, he's uh, nine years old and he's going on. Well, he thinks he's going on 20 actually. So uh, both of them are kids. Very very happy. Um, fortunately, I am. I, I'm not standing. In, I'm not in a wheelchair, so I can actually travel. Um, I can travel the world and do presentations and talk about safety. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure everybody here knows that, uh, you know, the majority of the time, if you're talking about safety, it's probably not something that you're very passionate about when you were young. I didn't exactly grow up and say, hey, Mom, Dad, I, uh, I, I want to be a safety guy. That's, that's not what I wanted to do. I really wanted to become – the dream was to become a hockey player. But with that being said, I, I am very, very passionate about what I do now. Uh, I've been talking about safety, about safety for pretty close to 20 years and very, very proud to be able to say that. Um, I, I truly believe, and you, you'll see that with the last quote there, I, I really believe that every day is a beautiful life to save, uh, save, save a life, right? It really is. Um, it's, it's worth more than everything to me, and that's what gives me the good stick in the pants to get back out there and save people because I, I have to, when I receive those emails that come in and, and talk about, listen, you know, um, thanks for that speech. It really changed the way, the way I see safety and it really changed me and my family. So I'm really... Really excited when I get those emails in and, and I get those comments. So it is so, so great. And you'll see throughout my, my presentation here, uh, I, I am very, very passionate about safety. So time to wake up, folks. Uh, hopefully, all jokes aside, hopefully you didn't fall asleep here during my intro. But uh, fatigue is a very, very serious subject, and uh, m most people don't take serious enough. And, it, and the, the big question is, why is that? Okay, why, why don't we take... Um, being tired safe enough. I mean, I'm not just talking about um, the sleep disorders like chronic fatigue syndrome or, or insomnia. 
uh, those definitely, those are serious conditions that affect millions of people. But I'm talking more about the kind of fatigue that, you know, that you feel every day. It's just because we feel it every day that we think, you know, there's just not very serious threat there and that we're okay with it. But many times we can get through a task without serious negative consequences and we don't even think about the, the levels um, of danger, especially when we're driving. So if I were to get you a look at this here, it kind of kind of makes us laugh, a little drawings here. But at the end of the day, if you if you were to go through this and think about the employees that that you know spend the weekend up um, and they're tired or whatever it may be, they have to call in, and it's not often that you'll see a person. I mean, a lot of people experience fatigue, and they're not going to call in and say, "Hey, boss, I'm I'm tired today. I can't come in." The reality is they have to uh, they have to call in sick and lie that they're sick because they are tired, right? That's, that's really, I mean, their, their boss wouldn't make that. So why, it, it's a funny thing, but why don't we recognize um, being tired as something that's very dangerous? Because as we all know, our judgment is, is very, um, our judgment is often we're really tired and we can actually put ourselves and other people in danger if we come into work when we are very tired. So today's agenda, I'd like to go over a few points here, um, what, what I'd like to talk about today and, and a few objectives. So I'd like to um, clarify really what, what fatigue is, what it, what it actually is. I want to discuss what fatigue, um, why it's such a huge and urgent problem to everybody and everywhere, to every company. And we're also going to talk about how to efficiently manage such a complex issue. I won't go too much detail there, and there will be a few down uh, a, a few things that you can click on the um, a few um, downloads that you'll be able to to click on in the little widget and uh, for a little bit more information. Now we talked about this question here, and I, and I hear this question a lot when I'm out there training folks um, and training companies. What really does what really does uh, fatigue cost your company? And that's a question that you get gets you scratching your head. Well, for for me, I, I'm really not worried about the cost. I just want people to stay safe, right? But if we are talking about um, a company, well, if I were to, uh, fatigue may be the most underrated cause of lost productivity, um, injuries and incidents and downtime and, and loss of revenue on the job. And according, uh, it says, according to an estimate of a 2010 study conducted by the, the Cupertino California-based Alertness Solution, um, it's costing uh, companies pretty close to $2,000 per worker per year. That doesn't seem like a lot. But if you if you kind of go through and do the math and think about how many employees are in your company, um, you, you'll see quickly that it is it is a quite a chunk of money, um, and that's that's not even thinking about the people that are actually getting hurt. So if we were to look at the, the sleep and risk, okay, let's talk about that for a little bit and how fatigue affects accidents in the workplace. Um, according to the Gallup poll, getting six hours or less of sleep triples your the risk of causing an accident. That that's huge, and that is that for me, is, is very alarming. And I'm pretty sure for, for you guys hearing that statistic is, is very alarming. Now, if we were to take a look at this here, this graph, 40% of the people fall into this category. So the, the average American gets about five to seven hours of sleep per night, and the recommended amount is seven to nine hours per night, which, which obviously improves your daily alertness, but it, uh, it also improves your health, which is, which is very important. And the, the only managing six, the people that are only managing six hours, as you can see here, or less um, are, are quite unsurprisingly the the most tired people out there. So if you, if you can bring your attention to this this graph here, um, according to a poll conducted by YouGov, 27% of the people um, sleeping seven to eight hours a night, they wake up tired four more times a week, and that's that's a lot. But I was pretty surprised to see the next one here. Um, 54% of the people getting six or less hours sleep, we also wake up, um, they also wake up tired four or more times um, per week. That's, that's pretty alarming. That's like having half your, your people with reduced mental capacities four more times a week. Uh, that, that's very alarming to me. And, and it's no wonder we've grown accustomed to all these zombie shows and stuff and we, kind of, we can kind of relate to them. Like I, I see my buddy, John, John Silva, he's a guy that works extremely hard. He works 18, 20-hour days. And when I say that, he works in construction by day, and he has a family restaurant at night. The, the poor guy, he works all the time. And, and I'm always on his case. I'm like, John, you've got to be careful. You're going to kill yourself, John. 
And he's like, he's one of those guys, well, listen, sleeping, sleeping's for poor guys. He's from Portugal, right? He says, sleeping's for poor guys. He says, what we do in Portugal, we build things and we, we make food for people. You got to be awake if you want to make money, right? And, I, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, wow, uh, this, this guy, he, uh, you got to be, you got to be alive if you want to, uh, you got to be alive if you want to, if you want to make any money. And unfortunately, John, John suffered a pretty severe injury. And he um, he he, burnt, he got second third degree burns on on his left arm, and he had to spend uh, he 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 missed four weeks of work, and he's self employed. So when you're construction and when you are working at your family restaurant, you can't go in. He had to spend four weeks every morning going to the hospital to peel you know live flesh off his arm. That's not something that was obviously un, something unintentional. Um, due to complacency and due to fatigue, right? But until we recognize that, until something happens, it's very tough to kind of to clue in on that. So if we were to look at the consequences of fatigue, as you can see here, uh, fatigue affects so many aspects of the working lives. And it's not surprising that uh, it, that's a huge problem. If you can look, you know, your errors go up when you're tired. You have serious um, incidents. If your expenses go up, stress, distraction. And on the flip side, your concentration goes down, your motivation, your reaction time is definitely skewed, um, your accuracy and your attention. Okay, so they all go down. And we, we've all heard about the, the deep sleep. Okay, so let's, let's talk about deep sleep a little bit. There are two processes uh, that regulate sleep. Okay, so we have, we have the circadian rhythm, and we also have something that's called uh, sleep-wake homeostasis, which um, really... Uh, in the beginning of a deep sleep, the body begins to, to release a surge of growth hormones, which helps rebuild the damaged cells in your body. And, and I can understand, I can, I can really relate to this. My oldest son, uh, he's uh, 18, going 19, he spends a lot, a lot of time sleeping on the couch. And when I'm trying to wake him up, it's pretty tough. And I'm pretty sure you guys have all found that it's difficult to wake someone from a, a deep slumber sleep because your, your body is just trying to repair itself. So it, it completely shuts down to repair, repair the damaged cells, but we are not Iron Man, okay? We, we, we go out there and we think we can do it. We're not Iron Man. We're not Tony Stark where we can just, you know, push a button and, and auto repair. We, we uh, fortunately or unfortunately, we're, we are human beings and we need, we need that time to, to sleep and to, to repair. So let's talk briefly about what sleep-wake homeostasis is and, and, and what it is really. It's, um, it's the accumulation of a sleep-induced substance in the brain, really, is, is what it is, okay, while we are awake. And if, if we look at this, this graph here, when, um, when we have been awake for a long period of time, um, sleep-wake sleep homeostasis tell, tells us when we need to sleep, and it helps us maintain enough sleep throughout the night, uh, creating a balance between sleep, you know, sleep and, and wakefulness, really, and hopefully... That makes sense to you folks. Um, I don't want to get too deep into this here, but we also, uh, I talked about the circadian rhythms. Well, the circadian rhythm regulates our body's internal clock. And that's what determines the time or the periods where we kind of get sleepy or, or awake uh, throughout the day. Uh, I was one of my colleagues, I was chatting with her yesterday, and she was saying, it's kind of funny. You know, I, I'm starting, I really understand the circadian rhythm where it dips in a day and then we have these highs and when I have to go get the kids at, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, that right there is where I dip. And I, and I feel like I, when I feel tired, when I, when I go. But if I stay later at, to work and I go home, I'm actually, I've kind of gone back up and I no longer feel that, that dip. So we can start really, I mean, we've been talking about fatigue for a long time. You know, we can really start feeling the effects. But the circadian clock really regulates all body functions, to be honest, and not just the patterns of sleep, but obviously it fluctuates the body temperature, your blood pressure, your levels of digestive enzymes, uh, various hormones, okay? So it can impact other types of like fatigue, um, muscle fatigue, and also we tend to forget the, the decision fatigue, right? We also, in the mind, we, we get really, really tired. So it can get very complicated, but I don't want to go too much into that, but there's also something that is called a sleep debt. And, and I'm pretty sure, I, I don't know if you guys ever heard that before, a sleep debt. I'll, I'll just kind of share with you what it means. Um, it's, and if I can relate back to when I was a hockey player, that consecutive sleep it was, very, it was crucial, it was required for my body to function normally. 
uh, when I played hockey, I, was, I always relied on that. I used to call it the sleep before the sleep. So the sleep before the big sleep before the big game, if that makes any sense at all, I needed to put some consecutive sleeps together. And the games that I did, those are, those are the games that I really felt in the zone. You know, I was really there. I was focused. I was attentive. I was, I was reacting fast. So I, I really, and, and those are the ones that I put some good consecutive sleeps together. And that's no different than going to work or driving, right? So we need to get those, those consecutive sleeps. If not, our body just says, you know, the sleep debt is really the body's way of saying, okay, time to pay back, time to pay back your debt here, right? We've been, uh, we've been kind of staying up a little bit too much here. And now your body is shut down. We need to, we need to repair. So we do have a lot of, that brings me to my next point here. There are a lot of, sleep interruptions during the night. Like a lot of things kind of pop in our minds. Um, we're trying to fix, we fix so many problems while we're, our heads are on those pillows. We do, we think we can solve the world and, and fix every little problem while we're sleeping. Uh, parents walking by the children throughout the night, we'll see that a lot. Last night, I'm really dealing with fatigue right now as we speak, which is kind of ironic, I guess, or, or kind of funny. My, um, my youngest woke up coughing last night and he's feverish and he spent the whole night up and and I was thinking jeepers, I have to give, I have to give, uh, I'm talking about a webinar tomorrow about being tired. So I'm really, uh, I, I'm focused on this right now and I can feel my attention. I can feel my, my mental state, right? So it, it's here and I'm dealing with it. Pet owners, they often are woken unexpectedly throughout the night, you know, by the, the dogs or cats, uh, various weather storms, thunderstorms, lightning, you name it. Okay, being a new parent, that's something that's pretty stressful for people as well. A lot of times when I'm out there and I'm asking people, um, in, in the workforce, and they look tired. I'm doing a follow-up visit, and how, how are things, you know? Well, I'm pretty tired, and what I'm seeing is most of them actually showing up tired already. They're showing up to work already tired because of these things and because of the newborns and the babies. And so, um, and, and on-call, you know, we look at doctors, why they're walking zombies. They're out there fixing us and taking care of us, but they are technically, they're, they're out there, and they're, they're, they're walking zombies. Not all of them, but they're on pagers, and they're always on call. And obviously, uh, don't get me wrong, I mean, even if you did manage, there's so many different other factors that affect sleep and um, throughout the night. Um, and if we did, even if we did get to manage everyone's sleep really well on a regular basis, uh, we, we would still get tired. Right? And occasionally, I mean, there's, there's schedule changes, um, like staying up for Super Bowl, for example. Like you, everybody wants to stay up for the Super Bowl, and, and we get tired. Sometimes just we just show up from a long weekend, Monday morning, and we're just tired. We're tired from our full first thing in the morning from our weekend. So we, we, have, to, uh, we have to deal with that. So, I mean, even if their eyes and mind are open, uh, their bodies are tapped. You know, their brains are tapped, their minds are tapped. And, and that's where so many factors that can affect the fatigue level, often um, very, very un- unpredictable. So when I say, uh, when I talk about when, when you're tired, you make mistakes, well, we, we do. It's pretty obvious that when, we, when we're tired, we make so many mistakes, mental mistakes, physical mistakes, um, response time is off, our mind wanders. We're just not thinking about the risk or the potential outcome of, like, you know, the consequence of a, of, uh, a, a simple error, really. And when I, when I speak about simple errors, let's look at the screen here. Look at sending an email to, to the wrong person, per se. I mean, that doesn't seem like it's, that bad, but that could actually uh, cause you to lose your job. You send the wrong information to somebody, you could lose your job. You're, you're talking about somebody else. Obviously, you want to be upfront, but sometimes that person didn't need to know that stuff. You lose your job there. Uh, the next one down, well, zoning on a meeting or, or actually not showing up or, fall, or falling asleep. Uh, lucky for meeting minutes, okay, after every meeting, we can kind of catch up on those. The next one down there, you're just taking off, letting you, letting something simmer for a bit, and then you say, oh, I had to go get some bread. So you, you go off to the corner store, uh, and then you're off somewhere else. Your, our mind wanders, and you come back, and your house is on fire. And, uh, so many times we hear about stuff like that. And uh, back out of the garage, you don't notice the garage door, bang, you ran into the garage door. Costs you a little bit of money, but the same incident, the same error, not looking behind, could cause you to run into a human being. Maybe your child's back there. Right, that's very, very devastating. We don't want to talk about that, but but that 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 is that's reality. It happens. And what about driving past your exit? How many people here on the call? If you think about it, you've been driving along, 10, 20 minutes, maybe uh, maybe 10, 20 miles, 
past your exit and you and you you open your eyes and you go, wow, okay, did I pass my exit? And you're wondering, you're looking for that next exit, and you're thinking, well, I just I just lost the last ten or fifteen minutes. I don't even know, don't even remember remember getting here. That that's a pretty that's pretty scary. And the last one, last but not least, you know, forgetting to drop your child off at daycare. I think that one there is uh, pretty sad. I've heard some pretty horrific stories about that one. You know, um, honey, I don't have time today to go to, uh, to to go drop Isaac off at the daycare today. Can you go drop him off for me? I have to be at, I have to be at a meeting real real early today. Oh no, no, no problem, honey. And uh, you come out after work and just to see your baby sitting in the back seat there, hopefully still. So awake and alert. Unfortunately, some people aren't that fortunate, and it was like a really, really hot day. Or if you live up north, a really, a really cold day. So I, I uh, want to take the opportunity here to to share a story with you guys. Um, this here happened quite some time ago now, over 20 years ago when I when I was in, in my younger days. And uh, this is my buddy Alex. Uh, we decided that we hadn't seen each other in a while. And we wanted to get together. So we were off going our own different directions, off in college. And so we figured this was a nice warm day. Let's have like a little get together. And we got a little phone call from one of our other buddies saying that, uh, from Curtis, saying that uh, Ronnie Booth is, is having, a, having a little pool party. So let's, let's go to his pool party. So we, uh, I, I called my, my girlfriend up. And I, said, I said, we're having a pool party. You want to come out? And it was always fun, right? young, having fun. She comes with me. We, I, I joined Alex at his house. Curtis was there as well. And from there, we're deciding, do we go up to, to Ronald Booth's house with two cars or just one car? And I, I looked at my gas gauge, and I was thinking, you know what, I need, I'm going to need to get some gas anyways. And by the time the party's done, that gas, the gas station is going to be closed. So I better just follow you up there. We'll stop off, get some gas, and then we'll go up there. And at the end of the party, well, you guys will be able to go your way and I can go my way and I won't have to go back and drop you guys off. I mean, it wasn't a drinking party. We were pretty young. It was just more, you know, just getting together and jumping in the pool and cooling off. It was late. It was late at night. So we decided to take two different cars. Um, Alex and Curtis, they back out. And literally 20 seconds after, I, I back out of the driveway and I'm following them. So I, I was close enough to them to actually see their, their, their um, taillights. It was dark. It was pretty close to 10 o'clock at night. Well, it was about 9.30, 9.45. Windy road, and I'm following. I see them go around the corner, and uh, so I'm, I'm coming along probably about 20 seconds behind them. And as they get around the corner, I, I noticed all kinds of debris. Like there, was, there were things, parts everywhere. And uh, that, that's where I, re- I realized that uh, there, there had been some, something happening here. I had to stop because I had this huge piece of metal in front of me, and which I, I unfortunately realized that this was um, Alex's car. And, and I saw that I was hoping it wasn't his car, but my mind was telling me this is not their car. But then I saw the mag, the, the wheel, the shiny mag that he has on his car, and that was his. And uh, unfortunately, that night, I lost, um, I lost uh, two, two of my best buddies that I grew up with. And Alex, Alex really was like my brother. Um, we, we grew up, we were, I was a little bit older than him, but we, we grew up together. We did everything together. I, I did everything I could that night to, to bring him back to life. And Curtis, Curtis uh, passed away. Uh, uh, he passed away um, in, on impact. And Alex, well, he, he uh, I tried to save him. I tried everything I could. And while the lady came out, there's a, there's a, um, a lady, I haven't told this story in a long time, so, so bear with me, folks. Um, it's, it's kind of tough on me. I still have the goosebumps. There was a lady coming out of the house over there, and she heard the bang. And and, and she, I, I just screamed, call 911 or, or call the ambulance. <clears throat> At that time, there really wasn't 911. And then but over my left shoulder, she realized that there was another car involved. There were, there were some lights over there, and, and we could hear somebody going on, some commotion going on in their car. Well, there was two other people. There was a girl and, and, and a boy. There was, they were, um, I would say, mid-20s. And they, uh, so they were involved in the accident as well. And the outcome was, obviously, after, to make a long story short, after going to the hospital, uh, they obviously do all tests for, for drugs and they test the alcohol. <clears throat> and that wasn't the case, excuse me. Um, well, what really happened was the, the people in the other car, they were getting married in two weeks. And they were having some, um, they were doing multiple wedding rehearsals. 
and they, and they were very feeling very very tired. And after this incident, like you said, he was put into the guy was put into um, a medically induced coma for six days. And when he came out of the coma, he he was told that he had, he had killed two people and paralyzed his wife or his to be wife from the hips down. Very sad. Um, the guy just nodded off for a second. He really did. And he, he said he never even lost consciousness. That's really, he remembers that. He remembers closing his eyes and opening his eyes up and seeing two headlights and, and a, a crash. And that was it. And then he said, and then he could be, he was screaming, he could feel pain. And then when he, he, he was in and out, but he does remember, he did say he, he remembered closing his eyes just for a couple of seconds. Can you imagine what a couple of seconds that he'd like to have back if, if he could? Um, so many lives that day were changed. My life, and I look at how it could have been worse. If I show up on that scene maybe 30 seconds earlier or 20 seconds earlier, that could have been me. But, um, and when I had to make the phone call to Alex's mom, Shirley, that was, pretty, that was a pretty tough phone call. I don't wish that on anybody. So that, that's my story of, of uh, you know, obviously losing a bite. It's pretty down, and I apologize for that, but I just wanted to share my experience and where I get my passion from and why I'm so attached to, to you know, to being awake. So I do have, with that being said, uh, thanks again for listening to that story. Um, I have a, a polling question here I'd like you guys to look at. And there are uh, a few things here. So I'm pretty sure we, these are the type of things that we do. In every training session that I do, I ask these questions. How many people here um, roll their window down to keep themselves awake while, while they're driving, when they're tired? How many people here turn, turn the radio up? Um, shake your head. Pull your hair. That's a good one, right? Uh, I, I was at a training. Well, actually, was uh, I was speaking at a safety conference in Orlando, Orlando, Florida, and this one big guy stands up in the back and says, hey, Warren, he says, I, I have a good one. He's, and the guy had long hair. He said, I put my hair rolled up in the window, and it wakes me up every time. I'm thinking, oh, no. This is <laughs> – that's not what we're talking about, okay? We, we need to – we're trying to develop some skills here so that we, uh, we don't fall asleep at the wheel as opposed to uh, falling, waiting till we fall asleep at the wheel or getting close to it. So what about some other, if I go down the list, pinching yourself, maybe slapping yourself in the face, uh, throw water on yourself, uh, rub your eyes. Some people stick their head out the window. That's not here, but I've seen that before. Pulling old Jim Carrey. And uh, the last one here, um, I've never been, I've never become tired while driving. Who of you have never become driving? So, so go ahead. I'll leave you a couple seconds here to check off as many of these things as you've done while you're tired, and uh, and I'll kind of I'll give you a, th- a couple more seconds here, and then I'm going to submit it. And I'm not going to show you the results right now. I want to share another little story with you before I do move on and talk about a, a few a few stats, and then I'll bring back what your answers were. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and submit this here, and we will move on to uh, another little story of mine where this was myself. I fell asleep at the wheel. This was, uh, I don't really remember what day it was. It was a pretty cold winter night. Uh, I was playing hockey. This was actually a couple years before Alex passed away. So I was a junior junior hockey player and um, pretty good game. And my girlfriend came out to my hockey game. So I was pretty happy. So let's, let's go play some pool after. So we decided to go play some pool. We played pool until about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, and then, and then it dawned on me. I had my dad's van, and my dad had specifically told me, you, Warren, I, I need the truck, I need the van for tomorrow, right? You have to be here. I have to go in and work early. I have to do my preventive maintenance, PM30 he used to call it. So he had this preventive maintenance. He was the, ma- the maintenance manager of an old folks' home. So uh, he, had to make, he had to be in there around 5 or 5.30 in the morning. Well, I'm already in a panic. I'm thinking, oh, no. I have to drop my girlfriend off. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I live an hour and a half from here. Well, probably about an hour and 15, depending on how fast you drive. So let's say an hour and 15, hour and a half. We all intentionally go over that speed limit. And uh, to kind of add a little bit of salt into the wound here, it was a, it was a snowy night. So I'm thinking probably going to take me two hours. So I had to drop her off. So I was, I was actually going a little bit faster than I should have. Driving along, but things are going well. I'm probably about an hour and 15 into my, into my drive, and I still have about another 45 minutes left just due to the weather. And I started nodding off, and I remember just getting tired, so I rolled the window down and turned the radio. I did all those classical things, um, you know, slapped myself in the face. And, and I, just, I remember just nodding off for a second, one of those micro blinks, and what woke me up was 
I, I hit the side of the, of the road. There was a lot of gravel there. And that woke me up. It hit the, hit the loose snow. And I started fishtailing down the road. And I was kind of going down on slant. It was, it was a downhill. I started fishtailing. And I regained somewhat control. But I was headed towards the ditch. And I figured, okay, well, you know what? I, I want to be going towards the ditch here. There's a lot of snow. And I ended up going um, straight off into a, a ravine which was, it was a pretty deep ravine and I was right between, and I, I landed right between uh, a street sign and a telephone post. I don't think I could have planned it any better. Really. I, I took the land right in there without damaging anything. The only thing that happened was my dad, it was a Lumina van. One of those, I, I thought they were ugly anyways, but he let me drive it. So I was happy. It pushed the mirrors in and that was it. But it, you could actually pop them back out that model there. You could pop the mirrors back out. So it was a tight fit. Now I can't even fit. So snow in front of me. We're on a downslope. Doors are jammed shut. There's no way I'm getting out of this. Um, so I had to climb all the way up the van and get to the back of the hatch and pop it open from the inside. While doing so, I, I took my seatbelt off and I, I slipped and I bumped my eye and, and actually cut myself over the eye uh, on the steering wheel while I was trying to get out. So when I, I pushed the... I pushed the, the, the trap door open, not the trap door, but the, the lid in the back. And when I opened it up, I, I recognized there was a cop car. And it was parked diagonally sideways. I could see the passenger door. And I'm thinking, oh, no. And I went back down into my van. I said, uh-oh, I'm done. Okay, what, what do I have to do here? I have to, I have to come up with something. What was going on? And I'm thinking, why isn't that cop over here? So I opened the door back up, and he's, not, he's still not moving. So I jumped out. And so I have, I bite, I bite the bullet. I have to go see him because my dad needs his van and I need, and there's nobody driving around here. It's really 4.30 in the morning. And I knock on the window. I look at him and uh, the cop was sleeping. He was sleeping. He was sleeping on the job. Obviously he had a long night. Uh, I knew right then that he owed me one. And, and when he looked at me, he saw I had blood on my face. He was kind of like, what, what would happen? He didn't even see me. He didn't even see me go across in front of him. And when he got out and he saw I missed his truck or I missed his car by, with my truck by six inches, he, he started to panic. I, uh, I almost hit him right in the door. That, that could have been so much worse again. If I had hit him in the door, could have, could have killed him, could have killed myself. The same, really the same, um, same outcome, a different outcome, same, same error, really, falling asleep at the wheel. Just a little micro blink across the life of my, my, my buddy Alex. I did the same thing a couple of years before this, and unfortunately, all it was was a little bit of a damage on, on the, the mirrors. That was about it. And my dad did get his truck home and safe. We pulled it out, and he went off to work a little bit late, but he was pretty happy to see that. Uh, but I was still alive and alert and uh, ready to uh, and full of life, right? So thank you very much again for, for listening to that story. I just want to kind of hit that, you know, it's the same, it's the same error fall, of falling asleep but so completely different outcome, right? It could have been so much different and so much worse. And here are a few statistics that you'll see on the screen here. Drowsy driving causes over a million crashes per year, over 500,000 injuries, and over 8,000 deaths each year in the U.S. alone, right? So that, that's, a lot of, uh, that's a lot of people losing their lives. People won't even think twice about jumping in when they're tired, right? It's just something It's not perceived as risky. We're tired. We'll jump in a car and we'll drive home. But if you ask those same people if they get behind a wheel after having a few drinks, their answers, they might change, right? People are much more forgiving when they hear an accident occur because somebody fell asleep at the wheel um, than when somebody was drinking. But what if, I, what if I were to tell you that the effects of being tired are the same darn thing as being drunk, right? And that's, that's very alarming. I, um, before going through studies and stuff, I, I never really did recognize that. But it's the same thing. Some people won't even think, won't even think about getting behind the wheel you know, after having a few drinks. But if they're tired, they just, ah, whatever, they just chalk it up to being tired and, and I'll be able to do it. According to the Division of Sleep Medicine at the, the Harvard Medical School, just one sleepless night can impair performance as much as a blood alcohol level of 0.10%. Okay, so that's, that's way beyond the legal limit to drive. Um, and you perhaps you didn't know that just missed, you don't have to miss an entire night of sleep to be impaired. So, so being awake for, like my buddy John, anywhere between 18 and 20 hours per night, or, or can you equivalent to come out to um, a blood alcohol level of 0.05%. So that's, that's still quite high. It's not necessarily you know, past the, the limit, 
but it is it is quite high. So obviously fatigue um, is, is a very important thing that we really need to clue, to clue into here. And, and drowsy driving. So if we look at this stat here, 60% of adults, so approximately 168 million people, say um, that that they uh, they've actually um, driven a vehicle while feeling dry uh, while feeling drowsy in the past year. And if we look at this one here, 37% of adults, so we're, we're looking at 103 million people, well, still a lot of people, have uh, have actually fallen asleep at the wheel, right? So that's that's a lot. And the other one down here, the, the last stat here, was 13% have actually um, fallen asleep at least once once a month. That is very, very alarming, right? So, I mean, if you think about it, that could actually, you're looking at fatalities here. So now is the time to come back to our answer. So thank you so much for your honesty. I'm really happy to see that you guys have, uh, have answered the polling question. So we're looking at pr about 40% uh, of you have all, done the, the famous roll your window down that's yeah that's a classic turn the radio up shake your head we've got that pull your hair so only 0.5 percent of people not too many people but maybe that guy that was at the florida conference maybe he's on the call today right so it's, shout out to you hopefully you're still not doing that uh pinching yourself to wake keep yourself awake slap yourself in the face eight percent throw water on yourself not too many close to close to two percent there rubbing your eyes i think that's one that we do uh 17%, and only 1% have said they've never felt tired while, while they're driving. Well, hats off to you. That's, that's great. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. But it's for the, for the majority of the people, uh, we've, we've all felt being tired. So there are a number of factors that, that affect our perception of risk, right? But, but the big one I'm really into to, to fatigue and drowsy driving are a couple things, you know, conditioning, complacency, and, and I want to talk about um, neuroscience. So first, let's, let's talk about conditioning. I mean, we've all been conditioned to think that um, a lot to do with how we perceive the risk. But if you're like with all these signs that we see, the road signs, um, the news doesn't really report the most common things that happen. They, they just report the anomalies, right? So they think of um, what's going to bring you a big shock and awe. You put this up here, it'll kind of bring you back into the moment. You're looking for that external stimulus. So while a driver that was, that was tired chose to drive tired, fell asleep at the wheel, it doesn't make the news. We, we've all been conditioned to, to really, you know, think about the posters and stuff. And, and fear the one that chose to drink and drive, you kind of point the finger at that person. But unfortunately, we, we just think it's more, more morally acceptable to drive while we're tired as opposed to, to being impaired or being drunk. So, and, and I think that there just chalks it down to, to being complacency. So, if I could ask you to, to, to go back and think about, I mean, complacency plays a huge role, right? Oh, I'm, I'm not kidding you here. If we were to think back and remember like when we, how focused we were when we first started driving cars. I just look at my, my oldest, who's 18, going on 19 now. He started driving at 16. He was so, so focused, like white-knuckling it and, and doing all the shoulder checks and using everything. But it didn't take long before he got very, very comfortable at the wheel and his skill level went up. And he started, his, his driving frequency increased and daily routine. And he, he was just really comfortable at the wheel. Now he's, he's driving around and he's not even worrying about it. He's just thinking about getting from point A to point B. He's no longer thinking about how risky driving actually is. So obviously our mind starts to wander. Your eyes wander. Your risk level increases. And obviously we, we put ourselves, um, we get very complacent. Our mind wanders and we put ourselves in, uh, in situations to have some pretty severe consequences. The next one I did mention here was um, neuroscience. I don't want to get too deep into this, but it does play a big part in, in why, you know, in fatigue. So another part here is perceived risk is um, how a lot has a lot to do with how our brain functions, really. And a study in the Journal of Neuroscience finds that, uh, that losing just one night of sleep makes your brain unstable and, and prone to sudden shutdowns, which is very, very scary. Can you imagine driving along and your brain just, boom, just shut down? And, and I've seen that happen before. There's another research done from the Harvard, um, from Harvard University called Judgment and Safety Outlines, uh, a major issue with fatigue and recognizing and recognition. So I'm going to read a little quote here um, from the Harvard University. The prefrontal cortex, an area near the front of the brain responsible for logical reasoning complex thought, seems particularly vulnerable to sleep deprivation. 
Experts think that this may explain why people typically have such a hard time recognizing their own fatigue and level of impairment. Like the drunk driver who thinks he or she is just fine to drive, the tired driver is not always the best judge of his or her ability to operate a vehicle safely. So, wow, right? I mean, we're, we're not even there. So fatigue really just shuts down our ability, and, you know, I guess in plain English, shuts down our ability to, to recognize that we're fatigued. And the effects of our, it affects our judgment and to determine that the risk attached to the fatigue is really not there. So there's a lot of neuroscience research pertaining uh, to fatigue. I, I could talk all day about complacency, but that, that's obviously for another day, okay? So we'll, we'll talk about um, complacency on another day. Time to wake up again. Right? That's been a lot of information that, that we've absorbed now. Um, we've been talk, I've been talking here for, for a little bit. So um, I want to move on to um, my, my next topic here of, you know, the, the three, let's talk about three, yeah, the universal problem of safety, uh, sorry, uh, of fatigue. So fatigue, obviously, is a universal problem that affects everyone. Um, the fatigue is, is com- the complex and um, understands and, and managed due to a number of variable factors. And also, uh, fatigue has a serious potential outcome, as you can see here, and I've shared multiple stories, for safety and businesses. So really, the big question is, how, how do we manage it? Right? So I could, stay, I could be here and, and tell you a big old lie and say that I'm going to give you a magic pill and that you're going to eliminate fatigue. Well, truth is, you're, you're never going to eliminate fatigue. Okay? But there are three main areas uh, that we need to focus on that can help us manage fatigue and the associated risk. And also, with that being said, there also it falls into two main categories uh, of things that you can do to improve your, your quantity and quality of sleep and rest and things um, you can do to manage your fatigue when um, inevitably it wears you down, right? It just kind of wears you right down, and we have to do something about that. So I was referring to um, a work, workplace fatigue risk management. So this here is available for download if you click on on the on the resource widget, you will be able to download this ha- handout here, and um, and I'll talk a little bit about it. I won't go into too much detail, but you do need to do your part in, in establishing a basic fatigue risk management program in, in your facility. And, and I say basic because you could spend so much time and, and you need years really trying to perfect um, trying to, uh, to perfect a fatigue risk management system like like the airlines in the airline industries what they've done for their pilots, but you'd only be addressing one part of the problem. So you'd be smarter um, to kind of not spend so much money and time there and move on to components that two and three quicker. And this would be a whole, whole other topic as well on its own, so I won't get into too much detail about it, but this would include things like lighting, um, breaks, uh, scheduling, wellness programs, et cetera. There's a lot of other things we can do. But, uh, yeah, go ahead and, and download that, that handout there. So some pretty good information there to help you out. Um, the second component I want to talk to you about is that you're going to need to inform your employees of the, the real risk associated with fatigue. Right? We need to provide them with the information so we can try to increase the amount of quality, quality sleep that they are getting um, at home and, and also work on their, their health, health habits, right? That's such a big component as well. There, there are a number of people, a number of challenges with this and that you also need to help them with. So um, really, we, we are here to support you. So download that, that on that widget. You'll see there's some more um, information there that you'll be able to provide your employees on, uh, on taking it home. And the truth is, I mean, your, your workers need to sleep. They really do. Um, their, their family members also need to sleep. And they, they, like we did talk about it earlier, they, they are interrupted during the night as well. So we need to encourage you to take this home and your employees to take this home and, and make their, their families aware of um, the fatigue factor as well. Um, we need to change our habits, and, it, and it's really extremely difficult to change habits, as we all know. It normally takes weeks of dedication, so obviously expecting them to change a number of things that they're doing in their own lifestyle by sending them home with a handout may not be highly successful. So you're, you're going to need to educate them and, and really coach them. You know, pull the rope as opposed to push the ropes. So you want to coach them and lead by example and, and remind them that um, how, how to properly form new habits, right? We need to be helping them with forming new habits. 
So the third component here is, uh, if I could just say, you know, the critical most, it's probably the critical most overlooked component. If you spend an hour and a dollar on each of the first two components, I, I would um, suggest that you, you spend 10 on this one here, right? Because you can do an amazing job on components one and two, which, you know, yeah, workplace fatigue risk management and, um, and, and working, you know, on helping build a program for your employees to take home. But your ability to reduce fatigue significantly and really consistently will, will be minimal at best. So don't get me wrong. I mean, they, they are very important parts of preventing fatigue, so you can't skip them. But um, because workers really, I mean, the fatigue can't be eliminated. It really can't. I said there's no magic pill. You need to give them skills and habits for managing fatigue in the moment when it's affecting them most. Right? So we want to be, I guess in other words, you've probably heard this before, we want to be proactive as opposed to, to being reactive. And, you know, here again, obviously talk a little bit more about the detail of the third component, but there are two, two big challenges, uh, complacency and the neuro, neuroscience part of it. Um, complacency is, is a big factor as well, and you can't expect it to just make people aware of their, of their fatigue and expect that they won't chalk it up to just being, you know, I'm just tired, right? You, you have to address complacency alongside uh, um, fatigue um, if, you, if you want to be successful in addressing this issue. And that, that's going to require a much broader scope of work. And because of that, I mean, the way our brain works, it's very difficult to, to, uh, to recognize what, when our actions are compromised by fatigue, okay? So, um, and, and also our subconscious brain to register it as a danger. So you can't just tell people, hey, you're tired. Adjust your actions accordingly. You're tired, you've got to do something about it. Um, by that point, they're, they're probably already tired and they're already making serious, um, serious errors due to fatigue that could actually lead them to, to, to severe consequences that we, we hopefully never have to, um, have to experience for ourselves. Um, and at this point here now, I know, folks, you're probably thinking that um, this is a big issue. Uh, fatigue is uh, snowballed into, and it's a much bigger issue now that we, we have to address complacency as well. Um, you know what? I, to a certain degree, um, there's some truth in that. I mean, it's it, it is it's a tough challenge. We need to teach people how to manage their fatigue, right? You have to make this a broad scope of information, um, skill, and habit. Man, you have to make it manageable for them and efficient for the workers, and it will be difficult for them to absorb and, and retain. So, um, I have some good news. We, we, uh, there, there is some efficiency here if you focus on the specific problem of fatigue or not focusing specifically on, on, on the problem of fatigue, but rather the universal problem of the human performance. Okay, so human performance in general is so important. This is where the physical and mental states, as you can see up here, um, lead to the physical and mental errors and are compromising our decisions due to, you know, it's a, you know, intention, but it's really complacency and diminishing your perception of risk. We're, we're so complacent with it that we think, ah, I, I've done this so many times, I, I can do it again. So if you do focus on, on the universal pattern, uh, you can actually teach people to understand and manage their states and prevent those, those wide variety of outcomes. Um, everybody, all from slips, trips, falls, um, the back, you know, a lot of the back injuries, distracted driving, texting at the wheel, and, and, and drowsy driving, right? I'm talking about that today. So it, it obviously falls within this pattern. And it usually starts within some degree of complacency. And, and that's another uh, you know, total, total different talk. So we are addressing so many different aspects here um, in, in personal life. And it increases the value associated with skills and habits. We need to bring that home to our families uh, for both the worker's perspective and, and the employer's perspective. But that's completely deviating, oh, I guess, quite far from the topic of being tired or, or fatigued. Uh, I, I will be talking more specifically about Safe Start and what's um, and, and universal, um, you know, components that we can do. Uh, I will be conducting a webinar next week, which is uh, May, excuse me, May 17th, um, Wednesday, May 17th, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, right? So that I'll be sharing a little bit more information about Safe Start and how that can help you. And, and you know, we'll be talking about rushing frustration, fatigue, and complacency and how they lead us to the critical errors that in turn get us hurt, okay? So that's, um, that's a big thing. Um, really, um, uh, it can really help you guys out with, with the fatigue and complacency. 
So to summarize, we're closing in on the hour here. Um, to summarize uh, a few quick points I'd like to talk to, that we talked about today, fatigue really um, is, you know, the most significant issue that's in, in safety and productivity. And you'll see also that uh, it's, it's probably your biggest opportunity to improve your return on investment. You'll get a bigger bang for your buck if you're working on fatigue. Um, it almost always a factor. It's almost always a factor in errors and decisions. Really, it, it, your, your mindset is compromised, right? So complacency is always a factor there, and the errors and decisions are to some degree are together increased when you put the complacency and fatigue together. It's it's a dangerous factor, and I really I like to call it. You probably heard it before. Complacency is, is a silent killer. It really is. You, before you recognize it, you're you're complacent, and you're out to lunch, and it creeps up and gets you. So we need to um, we need to be proactive. Really, we need to be proactive as opposed to, to being reactive. We don't want to wait until something happens to decide that we need to change. Okay. So uh, and also here a couple of more points to finish out. Give give your employees good information about uh, you know fatigue risk management. Uh, you know, we need to teach them that you need to take this home, give them the skills and habits to manage their fatigue. We need to offer that to them and address the, address the, the universal pattern of the states and uh, the errors and how the risk has increased right there. So with that being said, folks, I really like to thank you um, very much. I think this was a um, very, very interesting opportunity for me to talk to you guys about fatigue uh, and I want to thank you so much for taking the, the, all of your time to, to listen to me. Hopefully, I didn't put you asleep. And hopefully, you got some more knowledge about uh, how fatigue really can impact you. And uh, I didn't. The goal wasn't to put you asleep. Um, I like to give you the opportunity now to, if you do have any have any questions for me that I can answer. Hopefully, I can give you a short form answer. If I do, I really. Um, I, like I said, I'm not a doctor, so I don't want to go right into the, the specific chemicals and all, but. Maybe I can answer some some general questions for you. If um, if we can open that up, I would be more than happy to answer your questions here. All right, Warren. Well, excellent and great job. We uh, thank you for your insights and expertise. Before we do start the Q and A, just want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey that we're asking you to complete. The survey should be appearing on your screen now. Your input is important because it'll help us improve future webcasts. Do not see the evaluation survey on your screen. Please turn off your pop-up blocker. You may also access the survey by clicking the survey button near the lower right part of your screen. Now we will get to some questions. First one, uh, what do you say to an employee who maintains that he or she only requires a few hours of sleep per night and is perfectly fine throughout the day? Hmm, well, that's, that's, uh, that's a good question, Kevin. Um, what do you do? Hmm. Well, you know, it's important to stress that everyone needs to sleep, right? Although they, they, they may not think that their, their lack of sleep is, is affecting them, they don't, like I mentioned during the, the, um, the presentation here, they, they don't re really recognize that and they don't see the perceived risk because when complacency sets in along with fatigue, they don't recognize that. So they obviously think that they're okay, but in turn, they're not, right? So and then that's up to us to, 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 um, to, to teach them that and let them know that they are at risk. Hopefully that, that answers the question in the short form. I don't really want to take too much time, uh, you know, five minutes on each question, but hopefully that answers the question. All right, next one. Yep. Uh, why is fatigue receiving so much attention now when it has never been an issue in the past? Hmm. Well, you know what, though? I, I, uh, I think it is, it is receiving a lot of attention now, but I think if fatigue has always Right. Yeah, um, we just haven't really recognized the problem. And now with all the statistical things, well, we used to just suck it up and say, I'll just shake it off and, and do all those things that we, that we always did, you know, roll the windows up. And, but now there are more things out there and more studies out there and actually just comparing, comparing drunk driving to, to being tired and they're, they're actually on par. So that there is very, very alarming. Um, and the scary part is, uh, there's, you know, the cops not going to stop you and say, sir or, or ma'am, can, can you blow in this machine here? I want to see how tired you are. That's not the way it works. So that, I, I think we have to, uh, it comes more within. Right? We, have to, we have to be willing to, to want to change ourselves as opposed to being forced to, being changed, to change ourselves. So I think now we've seen the impact of driving tired and so many people dying each year because of um, falling asleep at the wheel, we, we, uh, we recognize that we need to do a change. Hopefully that answers the question. 
one, how do you successfully implement a fatigue risk management program without feeling like you're just dictating what employees should do in their time away from work? Yeah, that well, you know what, and that's and that again, nobody wants to have a finger pointed at them. I, I think it is. I think it's important that your employees know that uh, a fatigue risk management system is not meant to dictate. It's not. It's it's more guidelines. Okay, here are some tools and here are some skill sets. Here are some guidelines that will that will help you. 24/7, really. Um, I work here, but we also want you staying alert and awake at home, so you can you can actually come into work. It's a win-win. Um, but you, you never want to force something on them if they are feeling it. Probably because we are pushing it on them. We just have to kind of leave it open, give it to them, and give them some some good guidelines. Um, other than, other than that, really, we can't do much more than that. Next one kind of sticks with that theme. Um, our formal programs for fatigue risk management common with the companies you work with. I have not seen them, but agree it is an important issue. How is it typically incorporated? How, how is the, so if I understand the question, how is the, the risk management typically incorporated? Yes. I, I, you know, that's, um, that's something I think it's case by case, but normally it's just, it can be um, through sending things home with them. I, a lot of the times what I see is if you want to take something home and you want to incorporate a risk management system, you want to do that work and at home, they're going to want to send something home probably to the spouse, right? Because if you just rely on the worker, a lot of times it doesn't go, it doesn't get home. So if you do send things and look, the company looks like, okay, we are putting efforts in taking this home, send it home to the spouse, send it home to the family so that they can actually see it from the back end. And, and the employee feels that, wow, okay, you know what? They really are taking this to heart and taking this seriously. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would definitely just start getting it out there through letters and um, and sending and taking it home and sending it to the spouses. How would you address employees pressured by management to quote unquote get the job done that would be causing fatigue? Well, that 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 is a really really tough question. I, I hear that so so often. You know, we're tired, but. Uh, we're being forced to do this, and and that's a, it's a hard one to address. I mean, you have to tiptoe around that one because obviously, like I said before in, in the presentation, fatigue, it's always there. It's you know we can't eliminate it, so we have to we have to be responsible as human beings um, that we 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 want to make a change here. We can't just say it's it's up to the employer to keep me alert and awake. And we also have to do our end of the bargain too. We have to be able to get this, we learn these skills and, and use these tools to keep ourselves awake. And if a company is forcing people to work through these tired scenarios, well, maybe there's a, there's a different, whole different ball game here, a whole different kind of worms opened up, and it's probably coming from the upper upper level that we need to start talking about, whereas the upper management. Hopefully that answers the question. Next one. Uh... What habits can help combat fatigue? What what habits can can um, help combat fatigue? Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of different habits. I mean, we've always saying, we've always said you can get out and and do um, some brisk walk or a quick sprint. If you are like say after work and you are you are feeling tired, um, some experts will say that you can you can drink two cups of coffee and have a, a quick nap. You know, a short 15 to 20 minute nap. Um, that, that can help you out because the caffeine does take 15 to 30 minutes to, to, to kind of kick in. So, yeah, you, you can do that. But if you're really you, – you're your own judge, right? So we have to – if you judge that you're still after that too tired to, to drive, then maybe it's time to, to take an alternative way, get a taxi or probably carpool with somebody then. If you're often tired after work like that, maybe you need to start carpooling with somebody that's not as tired or, or get a taxi right home. Okay. Well, again, Warren, we thank you. Uh, unfortunately, we've run out of time. Uh, we're sorry we didn't get to everyone's questions, but again, all of today's unanswered questions will be forwarded on to our speaker. Once again, we hope you take the time to fill out the evaluation survey on your screen to give us your feedback. That ends today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. I'd like to thank Warren Pickham, everyone at Safe Start, and all of you who listened in. Thanks, and have a great day. Thanks, folks. Thank you very much.